Everybody ready? Ready. Yes. Okay, good. Uh, may, the main reason I needed them to come down is I need a lot of volunteers tonight. Uh. <laughs> so, uh, everybody in this section, get ready. <laughs> okay, the, the, the title of this message uh, is Seeing Our Selection in Jacob. And you might wonder, sounds kind of vanilla. Seeing our selection in Jacob. Well, I hope that we can put some sprinkles on it by the end of the night. Uh, but one thing I did want to point out before we get into this message is in Genesis, what we've been covering for the last year is mainly the lives of three men. So again, I need some volunteers here. So could you three brothers come up? Okay. And probably just stand on like the second one so they can see you. Okay. So you just have to use your imagination. This is Abraham. Here's the son Isaac. And here's the sky, here's the naughty one, Jacob. <laughs> okay, now the reason I wanted to bring these three up here is because when you read Genesis, their stories overlap. Yeah. And it's really important to see why their stories overlap because when you look, I, I have to look with you all, when you look at these three men, you get a complete picture of the experience of the called one. A complete picture. And I'll, I'll, I'll illustrate it in this way. You know, with Abraham, and I'll do, do it in a very simple way, Abraham was called. That's important. That's right. In our experience, we need to be sure. called. He was in Ur of Chaldees. His, he was in a land of idolatry. And the God of glory appeared to him Amen. and called him. Amen. And then after he left the Ur of Chaldees, he entered into the land. What you see in Abraham is a life living by faith. And in, our, in, in the experience of the call, when this is critical, is. we need to have a life that lives by faith. And mainly the way it was expressed is he built an altar yeah. and he pitched a tent. Yep. And at, at the altar, you know what he did? He sacrificed to God and he called on the name of Jehovah. Yeah. And in the tent, you know, and this was in juxtaposition to this city, you know, Babel, where they had a huge high tower. Right. And they were making a name for themselves, and they had a city. Here, this one here doesn't have a high tower. He has a lowly altar. He's not making a name for himself. He's calling on the name of Jehovah. Awesome. Okay, then finally, toward the end of his life, he gets to this city called Hebron, and he lives in communion and in fellowship with God. So in this one, you see your calling, you see living by faith, and you see living in communion, fellowship with God. Very good. Yep. Unfortunately, in this one, you don't see maturity. We need one of these other two for maturity. You don't see reigning. You need one of these other ones to see reigning. But with Abraham, we have some very good things. Okay, then with Isaac, Isaac is just an inheritor. Yeah. You know, he wasn't called. You don't see him being called. You don't see him being selected. He just inherited everything from his father, Abraham. You know what his, his top quality was? He was a receiver. And in our experience as called ones, as Christians, we need to be the top receivers. Okay, then this, this is the naughty one right here, Jacob. 
Jacob, you know what you see in Jacob? Selection. And we're going to cover that tonight. And it's good it's in Jacob. Because it's not based on if you're a good person or a bad person. You know, a lot of us in this room, if you asked us, are you a good person? Not many would raise their hand, but if you, if you, if you asked, are you a bad person? Get the hands up. He was selected before he was born, not based on his works, but based on God and his desires. Okay, then not only was this one here selected, he, in this one here you see maturity and you see transformation in this one. And not only do you see maturity and transformation, but you also see through his son, Joseph, reigning. So you think about it, you put these three together. Okay, now, okay, you're college students. So I'm gonna ask you a question. Okay, ask the college students a question. In whose life, do, where are we selected? In which one? Just say it. Jacob. We're selected in Jacob. Where are we called? Abraham. Where are we receivers? Isaac. You need all three. This is why Genesis is so critical because through the stories of these three men, we see the complete picture of the experience of a called one. Right. Okay, thank you. Thank you. All right, so that's why I just wanted you to see this. So it's not just, we're not in a topic tonight by itself. Yeah. So let's read Roman and we'll run. Ready? Go. God loving Jacob and selecting him. Okay, then Malachi 1 2 B. Let's read it. Was not Esau Jacob's brother, declared Jehovah? Yet I love Jacob. Do you know what? You know, when you consider human selection, what is it based on? Like if somebody's going to select you for a job, somebody's going to select you for a team, what is human selection based on? Okay, you think about it. Yeah, qualifications. This one here, that girl Mary, promising. See that girl Katie right there? She's good. You see this girl here, Lupita? Successful. You know what? Human selection is based on what we are in ourselves. God's selection is based on God's desire. It's based on God himself. So Jacob, was he a good person? Oh, if you read his life, he was a heel holder, a manipulator. Many times he lied, many times he cheated. He was not a good person, but you know what? God loved Jacob. It's not based on human selection. Okay, then Roman rule two, let's read that. Ready, go. Jacob being chosen before his birth. Okay, let's read. Go ahead and read Genesis 25. Ready, go. And Jehovah said to her, two nations are in your womb, and two peoples shall be separated from your bowels. And the one people shall be stronger than the other people, and the older shall serve the younger. Okay, even before they were born, the Lord told Rebecca, said to her, listen, there's two people in your womb and the younger, the older is going to serve the younger. Well, we know the older was Esau. He was yeah. the first one that was born. Right. The younger was Jacob. But this was God's selection even before the children were born. Right. Okay, 
And like Jacob in, in A, it says we were chosen, selected when? Yeah, read what it says there. When were we selected? Before the foundation. Okay, let's read Ephesians 1.4. Ready, go. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Okay, you know what this indicates? That the universe was founded for man's existence to fulfill God's purpose. You know, many, many people, they have it kind of the other way around. They're, they're living for the universe. Yeah. But you know what? The universe was formed for man to fulfill God's purpose. Yeah. Okay, then you have this really sweet verse. And before we read it in 1 Thessalonians 1.4, I just want to say this was written to a very young church. Uh, probably it was written, the church there in Thessalonica was probably less than a year old. And so when Paul is writing, whenever you read Thessalonians, he writes to very young believers, very basic things in, in Thessalonians. So one of the first things he writes to them is in 1-4. So why don't we read 1-4 together. Ready? Go. Knowing, brothers, beloved God, your selection. One of the first things he writes to the Thessalonians is, you have to know something. You have to know your selection. You've been selected. So, you know, a lot of, you know, believers, you know, they, they wonder, you know, how can I really know it? You know, I wasn't there in eternity past when God selected me. How can I really know God's selection? Okay, Jet, sorry, I know your name. How do you know it? Yeah, how do you know it? I mean, other than, you know, the Bible tells us. This I know, the Bible tells me so, you know. Beside, beside that, experientially, how do we know we're selected? Hey, Sam, how do you know it? Okay, Jet, come on up here. Okay, in eternity past, now this, this, this you know, I'm going to blame Tino if this doesn't work. He gave me this illustration right before. I really wanted to bring a fishing rod in. But I thought, you know, it's an old fishing rod. You know how those go and everything. So here's this person, Jet. This guy hurt. He got selected. Put that arm up like that, just about right there. And, uh, you know, sometimes you, you'll meet believers and they'll tell you a story. They'll say, you know, um, Eventually, I just got tired of being a Christian. Yeah. I, I just didn't want to do these Christian things anymore. And then they start to stray away. Just start going that way a little bit, kind of slow. Go ahead. I'm going to try to. Yeah, keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Far away. Yeah, far away. Yeah, I, I told you this might not work, but you're starting to get the idea. Yeah, we're getting yeah. You're starting to get the idea. This, this fish is taking off. Go ahead, keep going. Not too fast. <laughs> okay, this might break. God's selection will break. Keep going. Okay, okay, keep going. You know, and, you know, I'm not sure this Christian thing. It was when I was a little kid, I got saved. Seven years old, I didn't know what I was doing. Preacher asked me to pray a prayer. I didn't know what was going on. You know, I'm going to live my own life. I'm in college now. I'm going to start doing my own thing. You know, I'm going to, you know, man, when I was a kid, my parents wouldn't let me do such and such. Now, man, I'm 
I'm going to start doing such and such, yeah. you know, and, and eventually, you know, I don't care how far away you go. Okay, take it easy there. Okay. <laughs> I don't care how far away you go. If you're selected, you cannot get away from the living God. Amen. You know how you know your selection? Try to get away. I challenge you, try to get away. You know what? With the, the difference between the Christian religion and all other religions is that all the other religions are trying to keep you. You know what? We don't have to try. It's been done. You've been selected. And, you know, this morning, go ahead, a little further. You can keep going. Yeah. It doesn't matter how far you go. You know, sometimes we get disappointed. Yeah. Someone's just, you know, he used to love the Lord so much. She, when I knew her in high school, she just used to love the Lord so much. What happened to her? Yeah. What happened? Yeah. Nothing happened. She's been chosen. I met a, I was with a brother for breakfast this morning. Now, listen. We met him here at UT in 2004, and uh, he would get with the brothers. He loved the Lord, and uh, he just wanted to be with the Lord. So we're sitting there at breakfast, and he starts telling me his story, how he left. He went to work in a steel mill, and he started running. The line just started going. And he said, Neil, after a period of time, couldn't go anymore. Yeah. Eventually, I just had to come back to the Lord. And you know what? He and I were there in Taco Cabana this morning just enjoying the Lord Jesus. You know what? This is real. Okay, this tape won't hold anything, but God's selection will not let you go. Okay, so now when you read that verse, read it again. Okay, that verse, First uh, uh, Thessalonians 1, 4. All young believers, read that verse. Ready? Go. Okay, now let me ask a question. Has there been any runners in this room? Anybody that's, take, that's taken off for a little while? Yeah, you, look at this is honest. Just be honest. You guys ran. Okay, Sarah, how come you couldn't get away? What is it? Knowing your selection. Sarah, knowing your selection. Okay, thank you, Jet. Yeah, just take it with you, okay? <laughs> Reel them in. Okay. Okay, let's read. Sorry. Let's go ahead and read the next verse. Okay, the next verse, uh, 2 Thessalonians 2.13. Ready, go. But we ought to thank God always concerning you, Okay, number one, you know, and then what number two? You thank, and especially the runners. Sarah, I believe you have thanked God every day. That's exactly right. You know what? When you know your selection, you thank him for selecting you. Okay, let's read uh, number one. Ready? Number one, go. God's selection is according to his Okay, let's read 1 Peter 1, 2. Ready, go. Okay, you know, you know what this indicates? Your relationship, my relationship, our relationship was with God was not initiated by us. It was initiated by God in eternity past. All of us have a relationship with God, but it was not initiated by us. It was according to his foreknowledge. Okay, then read number two together. Ready? Go. 
Okay, and then let's read those verses in Romans. Ready? Go. God didn't choose Jacob because his works were good. Think about it. And he didn't reject Esau because his works were bad. This is way, way before they were born. He didn't choose them based on their works. But if you even consider after they were born, whose conduct was better? Was it Esau's or Jacob's conduct? Esau's conduct was probably much better than Jacob's conduct. But God chose Jacob. So it's not of works. It's not of whether you're good or bad. You know, many times we think, you know, why did God choose me? Has anybody ever had that thought? Sure. I have. I'll tell you, why did God choose me? It's not of works. He just desired you. He just, it was just something in his heart. He chose you. And then in number three, could you read number three together? God's okay, and let's read Ephesians 1 5. Okay, you know what? Your selection was for a specific destiny. I want you to get this. Many times we think, well, God selected me to be saved. Well, it's true. You got saved. But selection is much higher than that. Uh, God selected me so that one day I would go to a good place. Well, yeah, you'll be with the Lord. That's true. That's a good place to be with the Lord. But even that is not the apex of why he selected you. Well, God selected me so that one day I won't go to a bad place. Well, it's true, you won't go to a bad place, but there's something much higher in selection. Okay, so I need about 10 of these brothers here to come up here and sit right here about the third step, about 10. Yeah, come on up and yeah, just sit down. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I mean, Trevor, come on, don't be afraid. <laughs> okay. Okay, so if you, if you can just use your imagination, this is eternity past, and these represent all of us. And so God came along and he said, you know what? I really like this one. I'm choosing this one. And you know what he did? He put a mark on him. Okay, then he went by, went by, he says, you know what, I like this one right here. You know what he did? Put a mark on him. Okay, then he went by, oh, I like this one right here. Put a mark on him. And then he said, I like this one. And he put a mark on him right there. And he said, you know, what? I like this one too. He put a mark on him. Okay, now all the marked out ones come with me. 
Okay, look at them, don't look at me. Okay, they're all marked out. Yeah. Okay, now. Still marked out. Okay, the, what I want to say is this. I know this looks funny, but they're marked out for a destiny. And that destiny is that they would be sons of God. Number one, not just going to a good place, but listen, having the life of the Son of God. And then eventually destined to mature, to be a full-grown son of God. And number three, having the position to inherit all that God is. All these, listen, are pre-marked. God chose them. God pre-marked them with a destiny. And that destiny is to be sons of God that are mature and are inheriting all that God is. You know what, brothers? Our selection is not a light thing. Our selection includes a destiny that is so much higher than go, changing places. I'm in a bad place and I'm going to a good place. No, no. Our destiny is to have God's life, to have that life mature in us, and that maturity would bring us to a point where we're in a position to inherit all that God is. Okay, thank you, brothers. So it's a big thing. It's a big thing to have his destiny. So in B, could we read B together? Ready? Go. God's selection and purpose worked out in time. Okay, in time, all the selected ones are called. So in 2 Timothy 1.9, it says, Who has saved us and what? Called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace. And, of course, his purpose is that man would be in his image to express him and to represent him in Genesis 1.26. So, first of all, you see that worked out in Jacob's life. In Jacob's life, at a certain point, you know, you have to realize he went through a long process to get to this point and did a lot of things to get to this point. But at a certain point, he said, your name will no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. Do you see where I'm reading? Yeah. Israel means prince of God. Before he was a heel holder, but eventually he became prince of God. And then in 47.10, the very one who cheated his brother, lied to his father, all these different things. Let's read 47.10 together. Ready? Go. And Jacob blessed Pharaoh and went forth from Pharaoh's Eventually, this one was at a point where what was coming out of his mouth was blessing Pharaoh. So, one thing I wanted to mention is this. How does this destiny, this maturity, get worked out in our life? I just want you to consider, how does it get worked out? In other words, it's one thing to see I'm selected for a destiny, but the question is, how does it get worked out? Yeah. yeah. I mean, if you, if you look at us now, you know, <laughs> one time Jose asked a brother, he said, uh, Brother Don, do you ever lose your temper? <laughs> and you know what Don's answer was? Uh, you see this number right here? You go call this lady and you ask her. That's his wife. <laughs> You remember that, Jose? Sometimes, whoa, doesn't look like our destiny's getting worked out. You know, but you know what? There is a way that he works out that destiny in our being that we would become full sons of God. 
Okay, now you consider, you consider Jacob, consider. Okay, I'm just going to give you a rundown of his life. Okay, he steals the birthright from his brother. He steals the blessing from his brother, and he's forced to leave home. You know that he never saw his mother again? I don't know if you all realize that. Once he left home, he never saw his mother again. Okay, then number two. He goes and he stays with his uncle Laban. This is his uncle, flesh and blood. And he falls in love with Rachel. And Laban says, okay, okay, I'm going to give you Rachel. You just served seven years. So, you know, he's so in love with Rachel that seven years goes by like that. Yeah. And then Laban doesn't give him Rachel. Laban gives him Leah. He wakes up the next morning. What happened? I got Leah. And uh, Laban says, yeah, you can have Rachel. You just serve another seven years. Now, does that sound like fun? Not so easy, is it? No. Okay. Let me tell you a little more about Jacob. Jake, Laban changes his wages ten times. All the time. This is flesh and blood, and he's dealing with Jacob, just dealing with him. Changes his, his, his wages ten times. Okay, finally, that's it. Jacob marshals the forces. They all get out of Laban's house. They leave. And, you know, you think, okay, you know how it is uh, out of the frying pan into the fire? You know, everybody thinks, okay, I'm in a bad situation. Whatever I do, I got to get out of this. You know what? Every one of y'all have that situation. And we're all in the realm of I got to get out of it. We're all in that realm. I don't care what your situation is. You want to get out. It's a teacher. It's a roommate. It's this. It's that situation. I want to get out of this situation. We're all like that. And so Jacob leaves. He goes to Shechem. The very next thing, you know what happens in Shechem? His daughter, Dinah, gets defiled in Shechem. And the brothers get so infuriated, two of them tell them, okay, you're going to marry our daughter. All the men in this city have got to be circumcised. And on the second day, while they're in pain, the brothers go and slay everyone in the city, every man in the city. Now tell me how that was with Jacob. You think he had a good name in that city? Okay, you think about, you think about his life, okay? Then eventually he makes it to Bethel. You know what's the next thing that happens? He loses Rachel. She dies in childbearing when Benjamin's born. Okay, gets through that. Then he, his, the treasure of his heart is Joseph. And the brothers are just upset about Joseph. He has the coat of many colors. He's the one beloved of the father. They put him into a pit. They sell him into slavery. And they tell the father, a wild beast killed him yeah. tell Jacob a wild beast now think about think about his life okay now let me read a verse to you it's not on your sheet but I want you to read this he spoke this to Pharaoh right before he blessed him now listen to what he said I want you to pay attention to this and Jacob said to Pharaoh the years of my sojourning are 130 years few and unpleasant have been the years of my life 
and they have not attained to the years of the lives of my fathers during the days of their sojourning. Other virgins say, few and evil have been the days of my life. Okay, but all the time, the God of Israel was there shepherding Jacob, doing an inward work of transformation. Outwardly, you look at the situation. I mean, brothers, think about it. Could we, could we go through those things? The daughter gets to follow. You know, Carrie here has four girls. He lives in an all-female world. <laughs> right, Carrie? So right. Jacob Hard. Yeah, <laughs> okay, if it's not one problem, it's another yeah, problem. Sure. You know, and uh, he lives. Even the dogs are female. Even the dogs are female. Yeah. <laughs> one problem. It's like a conveyor belt of problems. You know why Carrie is so full of life? Yeah. Because he lives in that world. Yeah. And there's just problem after problem after problem. I mean, you see him, oh, he's expounding the Bible on campus, and he's sharing, and then at home, the girls are crying. One's mad at him. Yeah. He took the cell phone away from another one. Yeah. She's upset with him. Nobody likes him. His wife's mad at him. Yeah. Okay, and then, and then you're on campus, oh, expounding the riches of God's economy. Let me tell you, behind the scenes, you don't know what's going on with this Jacob That's right here. Sure. Okay, this is our life. Yeah. This is our life. Okay? And as a Christian, you look at that next verse there. In Romans 8, 28, it says the working out of God's purpose in our life. Okay, sisters, could you read Romans 8, 28? Ready? Go. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Do you believe all things work together for good? You know what? Really, when we read it, it's the good things. Do we really believe all things? You know, when that little old lady at HEB is in front of you and you're in a rush and she's writing a check at HEB and her hand is trembling trying to write the check and you're in your mind saying, we are in 2014, lady. Use a credit card. Okay, do you really believe all things work together for good to them that love God? Okay, let me tell you. It's all the little things in the daily life. Don't think it's just these big things. Yeah. It's all these little troubles, little problems, little situations. They're working together for good. They're working. I want you to get that. They're working for you to bring you into destiny, to bring you into sonship. Okay, let's read the next verse. 2 Corinthians 4.17. Ready? Go. For our momentary lightness of affliction works out for us more and more surpassingly an eternal weight of glory. Again, works out. Moment, you know, Paul looks at it as momentary. He looks at it as light. It's a, it's a light affliction, but it's working. That affliction's working out a more and more, what? Surpassing, eternal. Something eternal is getting worked into our being when we're passing through these little situations and something weighty. Yeah. Paul says it's light, but something weighty is getting put into our being. Yeah. And he says it's an affliction, but what's happening is glory is coming out. Amen. Okay, so everybody has problems, right? Yep. If you don't have problems, I don't believe you. <laughs> you know, we have this Ken and Barbie syndrome in the United States. You know what Ken and Barbie, you know who Ken and Barbie are? You know the dolls, Ken and Barbie? Yeah, we all think, ah, oh, <laughs> Ken and Barbie. <laughs> the perfect life. 
Ken and Barbie. Yeah. You know, when you see somebody in your class, oh, that's Ken. He has no problems. <laughs> that's Barbie. She has no problems. Let me tell you something. They all got problems. Yeah. You know, I was sitting in the, in the cafeteria at CBA. It's with this business student. This guy was a handsome guy, had his act together. And he's a Christian, and we started talking. And then all of a sudden, he begins to open up about his parents and how they got divorced. And I realized, whoa, Ken has problems. Yeah. <laughs> you see, you just look at it outwardly, you just think, oh, no problems. And he starts talking about how when he gets with his mother, his mother's always saying negative things about the father. And to this day, the pain is there in his being. But we look at, oh, that's Ken. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? Everybody has problems. There's no one exempt. No one. What's the difference? See, here's my question to you. The world has problems. Christians have problems. What makes the difference with us that that problem would be something that gets translated into the next age, that gets translated into sonship? Most people have problems. What are they doing? Coping. They're getting into other things to dull the pain. That's what most people do. But how about us as Christians? We have problems. What is going to catapult us into the next stage? What is going to catapult us into glory, into sonship, into maturity? What's going to catapult us? Okay, you look at that next verse, 2 Corinthians 3.18. Okay, you ready? Go. But we all Okay, we all, with unveiled face, what are we doing there? In the middle of those problems, in the middle of those situations, what are we doing? Are we just coping? Are we just biting our tongue? Are we just trying to do something else? Okay, you know, I'm going to go shopping. I can't take this anymore. Sisters, is that how we cope with our problems? Oh, yeah. Brothers, I'm going to go to bar- I'm going to go eat barbecue. You know? <laughs> Listen, we all are the same. We're all like that. Okay, what do we all need to be doing when we're going through these problems? What does it say there in the Word? Beholding and reflecting, yeah. like a mirror, the glory of the Lord. You know, brothers, sisters. We all have problems, but we can behold. We can behold and we can reflect the glory of the Lord. I mean, it's great. I was with some brothers this afternoon. We had our little Bible study meeting. I was like, this is why I'm breathing God's good air. I mean, it was so good about the human spirit. I mean, we got into it eventually. This young man that was with us, the brothers asked him, have you ever prayed a prayer like that? And he said, no. Will you pray it with me? And the young man right there prayed and got regenerated. Amen. 
I know why I'm on the earth. Yeah. Okay, I might have all sorts of problems. I heard some news today about my daughter's situation at school and I could just be in woe is me yeah. mode. Yeah, that's right. You know, pity party mode. <laughs> everybody's got it better than me. Oh, yeah. Pity party mode, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that's all, everybody's always better. No, they're not. You've got the Ken and Barbie syndrome <laughs> yeah. is what you have. No. no, we have to be people in the middle of that situation. Behold, turn, behold, and reflect the Lord. Amen. And if you can't do it by yourself, get with somebody else. Right. You don't have the strength, that's exactly. okay. Yeah. Get with somebody else and say, brother, sister, can we pray? Brother, sister, can we read the word? Yeah. Brother, sister, can we call and touch the, touch the Lord? Yeah. Behold and reflect. When you do that, that very situation gets translated into destiny. Amen. It's translated into maturity. Right. It's translated into glory. Right. Okay, now, what do you think of selection? Is it just vanilla? No. I'll tell you, selection is powerful. It is. it is powerful. When you are selected by God, yeah. you cannot get away. Amen. You belong to him That's and right. you belong to him not to go someplace. Yeah. You belong to him to be a full matured son of God with the other sons of God fully expressing him for eternity. Amen. Okay, we'll stop here and I think on the back you